Father, we once again come to you the seventh day of this fifth month, Lord. We just want to thank you for life. Every night, every morning, we just receive news of people who have passed away. And we do not want to stand here in pride thinking we are better than them. No, Lord, it's because of your mercy and your grace alone. Some of them who went before us are more righteous than us. And some of us who are alive is because your work in us is not complete. So all we can say is just thank you, Lord. We just want to thank you. Thank you for the gift of life. As we look to the word, we surrender ourselves, Lord. That the word and the spirit have lordship over us. Only when we allow the lordship of Jesus, the word and the spirit to happen, will we even know what true liberty is. Take us to that liberty, Lord. For you said, then you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. And you said where the spirit is Lord. There is liberty. Give us that liberty Lord. To that end we surrender each time. When we come to you. Come to the ministry of the word. Speak to us. For in Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 So we were looking at. The fleece. So that we don't fleece God. So the fleece is for confirmation, not for guidance. As far as possible, don't try to use fleeces, but there are times you have to and God answers you. Okay, He doesn't get mad at you because you use a fleece. Okay, extraordinary situations you may have to use a fleece. Say, Lord, because you're absolutely like, no. You're very sure about his calling, but you're not sure about the direction. Exactly what you want me to do. I know you've got a call on my life, Lord, but, you know, sometimes we need a fleece. So be very careful why we put our fleece. We are not looking for Lord, no, uh, no, no, like kind of random kind of a fleece. Like I'll tell you an example. When Abraham sent Elias to find a bride for, uh, for Isaac, you know that he, Put a fleece. When he reached Haran outside the town near the well, he knelt down, he prayed and asked, Lord, if my master has found mercy in your sight, then let this happen. The first girl who comes out, first girl who comes out, I will ask her, will you please give me some water? And she will say, yes, Lord. And she will say, I will water your camels too. Now, if you look at the fleece that he's putting, you know the fleece, he's basically putting a fleece, Lord. Girls will come out now. It's not a question of whether girls will come out. They will come out. I want to be very sure the girl that you have picked for Isaac fits in with Isaac's character. This is a hardworking, giving girl. Isaac cannot have an ordinary girl. She should be a girl who's a giver. Giver. 
who gives and gives and gives. Why? Because that's the nature of God. Isaac is a type of Christ. Christ is somebody who gives and gives and gives and gives and gives. Forever still giving. Out of the richness of fullness of his grave, you receive blessing after believing. Even today is a blessing. We think we earn today. Because, you know, we exercise very well. We wear double mask and we are fit and we take all the zingovit and everything. You know what? God says, no, it's just a blessing. All the zingovit fellows are also dead. Filemans also have gone. Hmm? Politicians who had access to the best ventilator, the VFI suites also gone. Access to the best medical care in this country also gone. So God says, none of that. Don't ever think. It's just a blessing. Okay, so God is a God who gives. And therefore, Isaac needs a bride who is a giver. So that's the fleece he puts. That's the fleece he puts. Okay, so understand, he's not, he's looking for confirmation that this is the girl. Okay, this is the girl you have picked and this is what I will ask from you. That when I ask, and then he's tickled pink because she says yes and she does. He's half convinced. He takes all the gold out. But one more thing. Is the family right or not? Because in Haran, there's only one family. There could be many girls who are givers. But does the girl come from a family which has faith? They did not have faith to enter the promised land, but they had faith to live the hour of the Chaldeans. If I can, can if I cannot get a Jew, at least get me, let me get a Samaritan. Not a Gentile. Samaritan says Jacob our father. Gentile says Baal our father. Jew says God our father. Okay, so at least, okay, that's the only sign he puts. Okay, and it works out that way. Works out. So now that we have dealt with how not to fleece God, we'll go to Judges chapter 7. And we'll read from verse 1. Not the whole portion, but we'll read from verse 1 to 2. We can't go into most of it. Up to verse 8. 1 to 8. Actually, at the end of the day, you will realize we did only two verses. But let's read eight verses. <coughs> then Zerubal. Okay, now his name is Zerubal. Let Baal contend with him. <coughs> that is Gideon. And all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harod so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the valley of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me by saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Who are is fearful? And afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. The Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water. I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. The same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you. The same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. That fifth verse, okay? 
And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Yeah, we'll read seven so that. Then Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions, their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. So we'll go back to verse 1 and 2. So we see God cutting down numbers. Why does God cut down numbers? What are the criteria by which God, or does God always cut down numbers? No. God could have used all 30,000. Okay? All 32,000 he could have used. So what, what does God do? Why does he do certain things? So listen carefully today. One of the fundamental lessons as we study the word, as we keep studying the word, is that you, know, you can be very strong and be faithless. Very strong and faithless. But you can never be a man of faith or a woman of faith unless you are weak. And you are aware of your weakness. You get it? can never be a man of faith or a woman of faith unless you are weak. You become weak and you are aware of your weakness. Because biblical faith is completely different. Biblical faith is faith in the strength of another person. That is God. Biblical faith is faith, complete faith in another person. So only the weak can have faith in somebody else. The strong cannot. The strong has faith in himself. Religious faith is actually faith in yourself. In works, in efforts. So it is impossible to be a man or a woman of faith unless you are weak or made weak first. It's impossible. It's impossible to become a man of faith or a woman of faith unless you are weak or you are made weak by God through circumstances. So you know what happens? If you want to grow in your faith, you have to become weaker in yourself. So one of the reasons why believers need to understand is Often it is not the enemy. It is God who frustrates our plans. I have this dream. And then it falls apart. It is God who frustrates often our plans. God can put his spirit on a man. Or a woman. And God can use him or her for the national good. For the national good. Because he looks at the society, the nation of Israel can put his spirit on a man and use him for the national good. Or the man himself can get judged terribly at the end. God put his spirit on Saul, King Saul, for the sake of Israel. But the man was judged terribly at the end. Why? Because he was not a weak man. 
He was a strong man. He did not become a man of faith. Okay. Samson also, the way he died. He was not a man of faith, but God's spirit was upon him. And he judged Israel for 20 years. For 20 years, he defeated Israel. So please don't understand the people upon whom the spirit of God rests is necessarily a man of faith or a woman of faith. These are two different things. God may use a man or a woman for the sake of a nation or a community. We are not looking at that. We are looking at is something fundamental. If you or I want to be a man or a woman of faith, it is impossible to become a man or a woman of faith unless you are weak. Unless you are weak. Case study. Okay, Just one small two lines. Okay, Samson was chosen by God to deliver Israel. He was a self-willed man. Self-willed means strong in himself. Absolutely self-willed man. Right from the beginning you see. But the Bible says the spirit of God was upon him and he started moving on him. He's the typical kind of Hollywood, Bollywood hero. That's why people like Samson. What do the heroes do in the movies? They have their strengths of feet. They can push 15 people down and they have all these girlfriends. What is Samson? See? The people in the world and half the people in the church like Samson. They don't like the way he died, but they like Samson. Right? Yet, if you look at Genesis, Judges 15, 15 to 19, and 15, 28, or maybe it's 16, 28, okay. Anyway, he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand, took it, killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. You see, it's boasting in himself. So it was, when he had finished speaking, he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place Ramat Lehi. Then he became very thirsty. He's been fighting. Hours maybe. Thousand people he killed. Even you are a superman. To kill thousand people, with the, it takes hours. But he killed everybody. He's exhausted. He became very thirsty. So he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. Now I shall die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. So God split the hollow place that is in Lehi. Water came out and he drank and his spirit returned. He revived. And he called that name in Hakore, which is in Lehi to this day. And then if you come to that next one, I think it's 1538 or 1638. Yeah. Got it? Yeah, one second. 28, not 38, 28. I always get my numbers wrong. I don't know why. I think it's because Pastor Vijay is good in numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Then Samson called to the Lord saying, Oh Lord, remember me. I pray, strengthen me. I pray just once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on Philistines for my two wives. The entire record of Samson, he cries out to the Lord only twice. Only twice. See that? One when he's about to die of thirst, he cries, Lord, I'm thirsty, I will die. Don't let me fall in the hands of the uncircumcised. It is still about himself. Okay. I don't want to be told that the Philistines killed him. I mean, what difference might matter after you're dead? Have you died? Right? Second time also the same thing. 
I want to avenge the Philistines for my eyes. But these are the only two times you hear him cry out to the Lord. He's a strong man, strong-willed man. Very strong. Very strong in the flesh. And he's not a man of faith. He's not a man of faith. So God can put his spirit on somebody and the person can be used. That does not mean he or she is a person of faith. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. All are strong men in the flesh. We think they are weak men. They are not. They are all strong men in the flesh. Each one, when they are faced with a choice, save yourself or save your wife, they will choose themselves. Abraham, famine comes. They are going into Egypt. Suddenly he says, Be with you, Sundariya. Mere jaan bachao. See, these are not weak people. We are confusing. They are not weak people. They are very strong-willed people. Very strong-willed people. They are very strong in the flesh. Very, very strong in the flesh. Isaac does the same thing. Jacob does the same thing. They are very, very strong-willed people. <clears throat> Let me get you into it. This is the issue. Okay? This is our issue. Especially 20, 21st century. Once the enlightenment took place and science started coming in and science replaces God and our education system, our education system, the entire education system is built on that. Even Christian education system is built on that. We do not know and once where one platform of the Christian education system is based on science. False premises of science, not what is true about science. A lot about physics, chemistry, math and all is absolutely true. But I am talking about theories which are there in science, science which are fundamentally antithetical to truth. They are not true. I'll tell you. This whole thing started with a crazy guy called Darwin. Okay, he started. But along with Darwin, there was another guy. This guy is the one who brought this theory. I think he was Dutch. He's the guy who's talked about the survival of the fittest. Okay? He says when it is evolving, as every creation is evolving, creatures are evolving, what finally happens is the fittest, the strongest survives. Okay, And we do not know that has got into the entire system. Survival of the fittest. So our entire educational system is work hard, work harder, perform better, be better, be stronger, be smarter, to the point we become worshippers of self. Our entire education system is built on that. It's not built on weakness. It is, that's what I said. That song we sang at the end was prophetic. When I am weak, I am strong. No education system believes in that. Does not believe in that. And even Christian parents, subconsciously, the attitude, without realizing, we have swallowed this. And the thing is that, churches are also built on this. That's why it's not just what we do. Why we do things matter to God. The God says, you ask, but you do not receive. Because asking is right. God says, ask and you shall have. But he says, you ask and you do not receive. Because you ask with the wrong motives. Okay. 
Why do we do the things which we do? Why do we pray more? Let's get into spiritual good things. Why do we fast more? Why do we study more? You know why? Often, the survival of the fittest. The survival of the fittest. Or do we pray more because I am the weakest of all? Do I fast more because I realize I'm weaker than the others? I need need God more than the others. Do I study, meditate upon the word more, not because I'm the survival of the fittest to be stronger than the others, but actually I am weaker than the others. Brother, you may need to go to church only twice a week. No, you are strong, you are good. You know what? I need to go seven days. Because I am the weakest. We do not realize the very words Gideon spoke about himself is the qualification to enter into the kingdom of God. Of all the tribes, my tribe is the weakest. For all the clans in my tribe, my clan is the weakest. And in my family, I am the weakest. God said, oh, that's the kind of people I'm looking for. Need to ask. We do not realize sometimes how much we have swallowed the same lie on which Babylon is built. No, we think bigger the church, the more successful it must be. It can be the size of the building, it can be the size of the congregation, or it can be the size of the income. Other says, if you really think this church is moving, look at the number of young people they have. That's why churches have these names like radical and elevation and all that. Yeah, brazen, radical, elevation. I'm not condemning, but I'm saying sometimes names mean something. People often miss the only true barometer, whether it's an individual or a church, is this. Is God present or not? Not his gifts. Not his gifts. Even after the spirit left, Saul prophesied. It is not the gifts. For the gifts are irrevocable. Is God there or not? Second, if he is present, is he Lord or not? Lord or not. Okay? One of the things is that God is present everywhere. God is present everywhere. He has not withdrawn his presence. When he does that, that place will be called hell, where he withdraws his presence. It is pitch darkness, outer darkness, where worms don't die, fire never goes out. That place is called the lake of fire, hell. But even now, the presence of God is there everywhere. Okay? It's one of the fundamental theses which the Hindus have got it right, but wrong also. People don't understand what does it mean, namaste. Namaste means you're acknowledging the divine in you. Brahman is there and Atman is there. You're acknowledging the divine in you. But sometimes the problem is the divine in you is a demon. Okay, so uh, it's not actually we should be able to say namaste to each other, to the Christ in us. 
lot of things, okay? A lot of things in Hinduism, they have the outer shell without the inner truth. Like Brahmin. What does Brahmin mean? Brahmin means twice born. One Brahm of Brahman. The only God. Not Brahma, Brahman. The original only God. So who are we? Twice born. We are the bonds, born of God. So when you are born of God, you have that ceremony where you put that thread and you become a Brahmin. When we are, this thing come out, we don't get a thread, we are born again. We become priests. Okay? So they have an outer shell. Because there are sages who were searching and they had an outer shell. But they don't have the truth. The truth. Okay? So here, when you go over there, we will realize, the simple thing is this. Is God present or not? First thing. Criteria. Second thing, is he Lord or not? If you turn to First Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. I was praying with somebody in the morning. I said, you never know when due season is. With pregnancy, we know nine months. Even if it's elephant, 20 months. But with God, we do not know. For his own son who was supposed to come, due season was 4,000 years. Second due season is 2,000 years. Okay? But humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. What does it mean? Become weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker before God. When will God lift you? When he knows you are weak enough. But the problem is the education system into which we all have bought in we teach children to be strong in themselves. Not to be strong in God. Because to be strong in God, you need to be weak first. You cannot be strong in yourself and be strong in God at the same time. It is not possible. You know the only two times it's recorded after he became king, primarily David goofed up. Right? was when he was strong. In 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1 and 1 Chronicles 21, 1 and 2. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. David sent Job and his servants with him and all Israel. They destroyed the people of Ammon, besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. The simple question is, at a time when kings go to war, why did David go? Because you think, I don't need to go. I don't need to. It happens to so many people in ministry. I've been in ministry for 30 years. I don't need to pray like others. I don't need to fight my spiritual battles. You know why? Because I've got a resume. I've been in ministry for 30 years, 35 years, 40 years. I know the Bible. I don't need to study. I don't have to pray. I don't have to fast like before. Same attitude can creep into any one of us. Okay. So that's what happened. He didn't go to war. You know what? He became strong in himself. The next thing you see that he falls headlong. What does God do? He puts the sword through him. So that he will always remain weak. So many children have to die to keep this man humble. Sometimes we do not know what the call of God on a person means. Others have to die. So that you remain weak. Because God has got a plan and a purpose in your life. Second time, Chronicles. First Chronicles. 
Got it? 21. Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the leaders of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan, and I bring the number to them, to me, that I may know it. He's going against what God has said. Don't number. He says, I will. Joab said, Lord, please, please. He said, but king's word overruled everything. You know why? Because now he's won all his victories. He wants to know the numbers. Same thing happens. How many people have listened to my message? How many followers do you have on Twitter? How many people follow me on Facebook? Numbers. We are obsessed with numbers. And we don't look at the two great men in the Bible, Moses 2 and Jesus 11. We don't want to hear that. It doesn't matter how many times you tell this, Moses could only get two people across, he himself couldn't, and Jesus could only have 11, they all left him at the end. It doesn't tell how many times you drum, he will still go back to numbers. And not to the book of numbers, but numbers. That's what happened to Job. And because he counted, you know what happened? 70,000 men had to die. 70,000 men had to die to keep this man humble, weak, until he falls before God and says, Lord, I did it. Why are you killing the people? Understand this. Sometimes our egos, it's a flesh, bring death and destruction to others. Sometimes our own families, sometimes our ministries, sometimes our workplace. It brings death because... When we are strong, God is weak in our lives. When we are weak, only God can become strong. So understand, this has enormous repercussions. This could be one of the most important messages you probably heard in your life. Because yesterday when I said you thought I'm going to give you seven principles how to bind and loose and cast out demons. No. You want to win over the enemy? I'm telling you, this is the only way. The only way. The only way. You can bind every power of darkness, cast every demon out and end up yourself a loser. Like Samson. Lift up bronze gates and kill people with the donkey and end up on the Philistine camp. Overcome by the enemy. You know why? Because he was not weak. He was strong. He was strong. 1 John 5, 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. God says people of faith overcome the world. The world is very strong. So if people of faith has to overcome the world, they have to be very weak. We need to understand what God says in First Corinthians. Why he doesn't pick certain categories of people. Not because they are disqualified because of who they are. Because, because of how they are, they have become strong in that. If you come from a noble family. Now I'm telling you because some of the places where I go, there is royalty. So there are some people of the royalty. Couple of people I know, two, three, one is very godly. Two of them are it. So when I tell my young pastor, I said, be very careful with how you deal with them. Very careful we deal them. Leave them alone. As far as possible, leave them alone. You know what? It's still a monarchy. They still got clout. And you confront with their sin, they turn around and bite you. That's why God loved David. Because he could be confronted. Other kings took the heads of prophets off. 
Brother, many of you are noble are not called because nobility gives you strength. Nobility means people are cowed out to you, bowed to you, bent to you. And you cannot correct them. Most kings of Israel and Judah could not be corrected. Okay. So we need to understand what the word education. Education can get into your head. Imagine you are MA, PhD, and your pastor is class 10 pass with Bible college. You know how difficult it is for this man to correct you? Unless you are so humble. His English may be broken like the DL, DL Moody's. No grammar. And if you write spelling mistakes, but this anointing is there upon him and the spirit of God is with him, but you don't recognize him because you look at his qualification, look at your qualification. You are strong, strong in your credentials. Are you getting the picture? That's what God tells about King Saul. When you were small in your own eyes, then you became big in your eyes and built a monument for yourself. Most of our trophies, certificates are monuments. Keep them in a file and hide them nicely. Don't hang them in your walls. Not even our children. Don't hang them. You know, my children got, kids who got real, real good grades. Super duper grades. I never congratulate them. The first question I asked them, do you go to church? No. It doesn't matter what you bring home. Do you go to church? No. When all the subjects in the spiritual part is zero, the other doesn't matter. All the accomplishment of the body, sports, all the accomplishment of the soul, academics, if the spiritual part is zero, the rest does not matter. But if the spiritual, you have an accomplishment, even if the others are zero, you still are acceptable in God's kingdom. We have to get our parameters right. Get. I'm not saying that you should encourage not marks, you encourage hard work. You encourage hard work. You encourage neatness. You encourage discipline. Because this is what they're going to carry across. Not the marks. Marks are good for this life. The rest of the things are good for the other one. Here and there. I hope I am not online bursting some balloons. Because the problem is, consciously or unconsciously, we are all pushing the next generation to be strong. And not to be strong in the... We will sing this song. But we are not really teaching them to be strong in the Lord. Because you or I, nobody can be strong in the Lord until and unless we become weak in self first. It's impossible. We go back to Judges 7, 2 and 3. God said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me. Okay, we'll come back to that later. Let's go to three. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from the Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Like I said in the beginning, God said, let the fearful go. And we would think fearful people are weak. They are not weak. They are not weak. They are very strong in the flesh. 
very very strong in the flesh fear is the flesh's natural response which we call self preservation it basically means my life is more important than yours let's look at the classic example genesis 12 verses 12 and 13 Therefore it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say this is his wife and they will kill me but they will let you live please say you are my sister it may be well with me for your sake that i may live because of you but what is he exposing her to a living death will be taken to king's harem whether i will get you back or not is i mean nobody has got anybody back from a harem nobody gets anybody back from a hero you know what he's saying he's saying you know what my life is more important than yours my life is more important than yours so please do not think fearful people are weak people they are not weak people they are very strong in the flesh they are very they are driven by this motive called self preservation at any cost okay What about Isaac? Same story. What about Jacob? Honestly, he actually thinks he's better than Esau. Esau thinks he's better than Jacob. And God is somebody they'd both try to use. Ultimately, we'll all learn up earlier or later that God nobody uses God. The earlier we learn, the better. Look at Judges 7:2. Now we'll go to 7:2. The Lord said to Gideon, "The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, 'My own hand has saved me.'" It's a crucial line. Okay. We shall look at what it means closely. All this I wrote early in the morning. I think I was up before by three in the morning. Go to Genesis one one. Meditate on these words for the rest of the day. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. What does it mean? It means be- before God created, there was nothing. Only God. Before God created, there was only God, and there was nothing. meditate on a day on nothing meaning as far as we humans know there was a point in time there was nothing except god and i am that part of nothing i am that part of nothing next time you look in the mirror when you go back look in the mirror and say you know what i actually am nothing the most difficult thing for a person to say because we all think we are something or i will be anything but not nothing there was a point in time i was nothing two second humbling factor when god created me he created me out of nothing 
Not only am I nothing, I was created out of nothing. See, we will say this is my creation, invention, discovery, which is not true. No man has created anything out of nothing. Anything we have to do, we need something to do it. God is the only one who has created everything out of nothing. Now you need to understand why God will not share his glory with anybody. His glory with anybody because he has to be true. God is true. How can he share his glory when he is the only one self-existing God out of nothing has created everything and this everything that came out of nothing tries to take glory by doing something with what he has done. It is not true. We know it is not true. We know there is something. Like, why, like everybody sitting over here, all students sitting over here, you may copy, but how many of you believe copying is right? Why do you believe copying is wrong? Because you know you did not work for it. It's somebody else's work, right? So if you copy and you get 90% of it, oh, stand up and this thing, but inside you are sitting down. You're not even sitting down, you're crawling under the bench because you know you did not get this. Now you understand why God says, I will not share my glory. He says, I have, it's not that he's proud. He says, I am true. You didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 7. I want it in NIV. KJV and KJ, I like the NIV version. I hope it is my NIV version, which you have. Some have UK, some has. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, he was God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. And verse 7, made himself? Do you know that? Made himself nothing. That was the most difficult thing. He who was there in the beginning, before beginning, when there was nothing, only God was there, that God became nothing. I don't even know how it is possible. It's only possible with God. He became nothing. That's why 6 and 7 is important. What is that? He is God. It's equal to God. And made himself nothing. And we struggle with this. But you know what? We have to get the truth of it. We have to be convicted by this truth. It is not enough. That's what I said. It will take a few days to meditate on that one words. God is everything. I am nothing. And you know what happened? It started in the heavens. The creation rebelled against the creator. Okay? About Satan, when all Lucifer, all the glorious description is given, it still says on the day you were made. Creator. Creation rebelled against the creator. It's not child rebelled against the father. It's not that. It's not that. This is different. <laughs> creation, nothing went against everything. Think about it, a statement. Nothing went against everything. On earth also the same thing happened. That is that we'll, we'll never fully understand. 
then if God is everything and I am nothing, then to God alone belongs all glory, power, honor. It is simply true. And the Lord's Prayer said to you alone belongs the all, all the glory, the honor, the power. Just a fact. Just a fact. It's true. Just a fact. Isaiah 48, verse 11. Isaiah 48, verse 11. For my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. For how should I profit? My name be profane? I will not give my glory to another. For my own sake. See, the Bible says when God had to swear, he looked and he said, okay, I swear by myself. <laughs> we will say, Amma Satyam and all that. And God says, no, Amma Paya. I, I swear on I am. <laughs> That's when Moses asked, who shall I say? I am. What, what will God say? How can you give God a name? That's the problem. How do you give God a name? Name always signifies there is something captured in that name. It has a beginning and an end. That's the problem with the name. It's a beginning. You born. You ended. In between your character qualities are all okay, wishful or real. How do you give God a name? God doesn't have a name. He has only titles. So when God says, I will not share my glory with another, he's just being true. 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 And we know that. Right? If a child takes 500 rupees from your wallet without knowing and goes out and saying, it is my money, he will say, it's not true. It's not true. It's not your money. It's not true. It's not your money. Did you work for it? It's my father's money. Yeah, now you are kind of right. It's your father's money. Did you ask him? No. Then how did you use it? It's God's glory. Did you work for it? No. How did you take it? Did you ask him? Okay, that's what God talking about. So the first blessing Jesus pronounces is blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in the spirit. So Judges 7-2, God says, you know what? You've got too many people. And I'm trying to protect you. Too many people. I'm sending you against the enemy. You go win again with 30,000. Okay, the enemy is much bigger, three times, four times bigger. But still you got too many people. You go win with 30,000 people. After some time you start saying, you know what? My hand, my own hand has saved me. And you will start taking my glory. And you know what happens? You become a false person. God is true. We become false. And who gave the victory? God gave the victory. But he says the purpose of the victory is to make you true. But the problem is, after victory you have become false. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put you in a, such a situation that when your victory comes, you will absolutely know I have nothing to do with it. You will stay true. Because I am true. 
That kind of truth we don't hunger. We want to flick some glory off him. Even pastors. Can you be only called servant? No, I want to be called servant of God. Because there's some glory in it. Servant there is no. Servant is a norm common. Servant means it's a common name. So I am servant of God. So I ask this question. Do we pray because we are weak? Do we study the word because we are weak? Do we worship because we are weak? The problem is we are very good to appropriate the worldly mindset. Stronger, the better. So if we pray a little long, a little better, we give them a tag. Prayer warrior. If they can memorize scripture and preach a sermon, we say Bible scholar. And if they can sing, we call them worship leader. And if you are the pastor's wife, you want to be called, not my wife, first lady. Becomes God, very, you in our marriage it is a difficult thing. How can the last man and the first lady go together? So Judges 7 2, this is what God. Now look at it. God explains the fundamentals. Deuteronomy 7 verses 6 to 8. And then to Deuteronomy chapter 9, 3 to 6, 7, 6 to 8. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for him. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. He says, wait, wait, wait. Don't start God ascending in the heavens. Okay? Now don't start puffing up your chest and all and start trying to fly like cherubim and all. He says, wait a minute. Okay? Yeah. Next verse. The Lord did, did not set his love on you nor chose, choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He says, you know what? You know why I chose you? Not because you were big, but because you were small. He says, Israel, never forget your origin. Never forget why you were chosen. Why you were chosen. Chapter 9, 3 to 6. Deuteronomy 9, 3 to 6. Therefore understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. He's talking about when they enter into the promised land. He will destroy them and bring them down before you. So you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord has said to you. Do not think in your heart after the Lord God has cast them out before you saying, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me into possess this land. He says, no, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. You know, it's a very contradictory statement. He says, I'm not giving you the land because you're good. I'm giving you the land because they are bad. 
It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you that he may fulfill the word which God swore to his fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Therefore, understand that. The Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are a stiff, naked people. It's a very humbling statement. Okay. So when we go to heaven, he's saying, you did not go to heaven. Not because we are good. Because others were bad. So it's a very strange statement he makes. Lord, you are driving them out because they are bad. But then you are saying that I am not good. So what I am? What am I then? He says, you are nothing. Exactly. You are nothing. That is liberation. Hallelujah. Look at the mirror and say, Lord, hallelujah. Finally, I am set free today, Lord, because I realized I am nothing. Like I said, our culture, our system, the world system is entirely built on the self. We want self-confidence, we want self-reliance, self, 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 self. See, you cannot bring children up teaching them to do everything in self and then say depend upon God. It contradicts. It contradicts. That's why I said when your children come and ask you for something, you must say let's pray. Let's pray. Yep. See, they may not understand, but these fundamental principles sink in. And then a later a day and hour comes when they are on. And they are running into something which they don't have the means to fulfill. They will learn. Let me pray. Let me pray. Okay? We don't play God in their lives. There's only one God. And it's not the father or the mother. Okay? And you know what? <coughs> the world adored strength in any form. Idolizes strength in any form. Whether it is beauty, whether it is knowledge, whether it is sports, whether it is entertainment, the world idolizes those who are strong. Any form. Anything you take, the world idolizes. And you know what? Deep inside we too Though we say, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, we say, it's like Rama, the story of the Kurukshetra battle. No, there is one guy who never lies. His name is Yudhishthira. He never lies. Okay? Abhimanyu's, uh, uh, Arjun's son, Abhimanyu, right? Uh, there's that, uh, uh, elephant. Ashwatam, okay? So, when that guy's son is, uh, First, they have to get him to go into a depression. So he tells him, your son is dead. He doesn't believe. He says, I'll ask you this, he never lies. He says, is my son dead? He said, yes. But there's an elephant of the same name. I forgot that guy's name, who it was. Okay. This elephant, let us say whatever name is, let us say Vijay. There are two Vijays. One is his son, a valorous guy. And another is an elephant. So he says, is my son Vijay dead? He said, Vijay is dead. Sit quietly, the elephant. Mm -hmm. 
So we'll say, worship the Lord. In the beauty, we won't say holiness. Holiness is our holiness. Beauty is very high. In beauty, there is something for us. So everybody comes beautifully for service. But the question to ask is that, did you pursue holiness before you coming? No, beauty. We are like that. We say, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Holiness is very quiet. Nobody hears, not even God hears it. We want to be strong in wisdom. We want to be strong in beauty. We want to be strong in knowledge. We want to be strong in sports. We idolize all these people. Idolize all these people. We have cont- I still remember of the Britain got talent. I can only remember one among all Britain. It's Susan Boyles. It's always Susan Boyles. She was a country hick. Funny fat. You had to, before she begins to look at the face of the judges, they were sneering at her. She said, I come from a small, small, small collection of villages. And they were laughing and somebody raised their eyebrows and all. Next thing, they said, okay, now sing. She said, I want to sing this song. And they said, again, there is you going to sing that song. But when she opened her mouth and started singing, there was pin drop silence. She sang. Oh, then they, okay, apologize and this thing and all. That's not the point. The point is her next show. And she came. Next time she came, the beautician, everybody changed her. She doesn't look like Susan Boyle anymore. You got a talent. But you know what? You got a talent. We will fit the mold in which your talent comes. That is my issue with Indian pastors. <laughs> You're a pastor. Your call is genuine. Why do you have to get this suit and tie in this 40 degree this temperature? Humidity is 90. Why do you want this picture? Waistcoat and all. Why do you want this? You go to America, preach, wear all that. That's fine. It's okay. You that there demands it. You wear a tie and all. It is fine. I'm somebody who worked and I've had to wear a tie six days a week. I'm okay with it if the system needs it. It shouldn't be a stumbling block. I wouldn't go like this if I were to preach abroad. I wouldn't do that. Because it would be a stumbling block. They will look at me and say, what is wrong with this guy? Because they haven't seen this. This is normal here. My issue is this. You know what? We got a gift. We want to package it in the world. That's where self comes in. And we do not realize why we do not run too long. Too long. We have to be very careful about this self. So when we sang, when I am weak, I am strong, it's a huge spirit. That's what I looked at it. It's about Peter sang the right song for my message. We adore people. Successful people. Let me ask you. Fashion magazines, beauty magazines. Where do you see it? When you go for a haircut, you will see them all lying around. Have you ever seen on a woman's fashion magazine a fat woman? Have you ever seen? Or men's? Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen any any of this a disabled person? Will they put? No. Why? The world hates disabilities. They won't accept disabilities. That's why incredible pressure and laws are being passed around the Christian, so-called Christian nation to abort babies with deformities in the womb. That's why they do this test. And before they'll say, your child can have problems. Could be Down syndrome. Could be this. Could be this thing. And you know what? 
You know what happens? The pressure comes about, about, about. Now what has the state doing? State is mandating in many Scandinavian countries that you have to go through mandatory pregnancy checkup and if it is found, it is Down syndrome, you have no choice. They abort the baby. Because Down syndrome becomes a burden on the state. Mm. Other extreme, euthanasia, merciful for the old. They're old. Why you waste the government money on that? Somebody was telling India has one crore. One crore would be 100 million, right? 100 million central government employees' salaries, of which 40 lakhs are retired. Retired. That's why the government is changing all the rules. Now to get pension, you know how many years of service you have to put in? And before that, somewhere or other, they will get you out. Now in most of the people you see working in the government are all contract. You know why? They don't want to give you anything when you retire. Because they believe, fundamentally the world believes, once you retire, you're good for nothing. Survival of the fittest. Now you make way for the next one. You go. Why do you have to pay for you? We do not realize how much it has got into our psyche, how we think, how we value. We value strength. We idolize strength, strength in any form. And suddenly the world of God comes and says, okay, I pick the weak. The world says, we pick the strong. The world says, we owe knowledge. God says, the foolish. Oh, the noble. He says, I pick the ignoble. It's a completely clash of views. Absolutely. Contrary to Babylon and Jerusalem are poles apart. They can never meet. And you cannot bring this together. And as long as you bring together, you know what? God will step out. You cannot bring it into your, ho- into your life. You cannot bring it into your home. You cannot bring it into your church. These are three places where God has to be Lord. You cannot make God Lord of this world. There's another Lord God himself says. But where do we have influence? One in my life. Second in your home. Third in the church. Three, three places. And we need to understand what view do we have? What view do we have? Exodus 4.11 Our theology will go out of the window. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes the mute? The deaf, the see, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Everybody knows Psalm 127. Children are a? Children are a? Heritage means what? Special. Gift. Valuable. That's what it means. Reward. All these things are there. No? Heritage has so many connotations. Right? So if your child is mute, your child is deaf, child has Down syndrome, child has cerebral palsy, child has learning disability, do you consider it a reward from God? This was the ideology of the disciples too. So they're having a theological debate. Did this man sin or his father sin? God says no, neither. Neither. It's God's glory. It's God's glory. It's God's glory. God is asking us fundamental questions. 
Okay, that's why the seven two is important. God says, you know what? I don't want too many people because it's detrimental for you. If you win the war with 30,000, you know what? It will destroy you. Because Israel claimed glory for itself. And God doesn't share his glory with anybody, not because he's vain, but because he's true. He knows he's everything and he knows we are nothing. And how can take nothing take something from everything and pretend it's its own? That's God's problem. God is not vain. One day he wants to share his glory with us. He wants to. But that is Christ in us. And we need to understand this. We are all being tuned, though we are growing in the church, our mindset is tuned towards glory in the world. Glory in the world. Isn't it true? Take a good look into the mirror inside. Don't we all want mirror? glory? But he's the only one who has glory. He's the only one who can truly receive glory. We cannot. We cannot. How can nothing who receives whatever nothing has from everything say, nothing did this? Think about it. My name is nothing. Who did this? Nothing did it. Hmm? It is like Ulysses in the island. They shipwrecked in an island and then they realized there are these huge giants over there, one-eyed giants, so killing and eating people. So Cyclops is that fellow's name. So now somehow all survived. Ulysses, he shuts the uh, cave and, and he sits there and he doesn't allow anybody to get out because what happened the previous night when he was sleeping, Ulysses takes a rod, burns it and takes his eye off. But before that, he had asked Ulysses, he said, I will eat you last, what is your name? He says, my name is no man. So when his eye goes, he screams. So when all the other giants come and shouting from outside, what happened to you, what happened to you, who hurt you? He said, no man. No man hurt me. So they all go back. If no man hurt, they all went back. The same with this thing. How can nothing do something Without everything. It's simple mathematically, not complicated. Like Pastor Vijay's math. It's not that math. My math simple. How can nothing do something without everything? There's one person who has everything. There's another person who has nothing. But he has to do something. Can you do something without getting something from everything? Then whom does the glory go to? To everything. Simple God. That's all. I'm just being true. I'm not being vain, he says. It's not a bone of... Vanity in God. He's just true. He, he has to be true. Because God is truth. We understand that way. We will understand. You know what? It's good to be weak. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 1 to 10. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. He says, he says, it's not good for me to boast. But I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, how many years ago? 14 years ago. He's writing the letter in Corinthians. It is 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I do not know. Whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. 
how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. He says, this man went to third heaven where God is. He heard things which cannot be mentioned. It is not lawful for that man to mention what was he heard. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. Finally, he flips and says, you know, it is actually me. <laughs> that I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that I might depart from me. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For I am, when I am weak, then I am strong. Go to verse 9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. You know what he does there? He puts grace and strength together. He puts grace and strength together. Grace is the power of God. It is the strength of God. God says, my grace is made perfect only in weakness. My power is only made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I shall rather boast in my infirmities. Let me write this statement. Read to the statements. Human weakness must come before. God's power can rest upon a person. What precedes God's power? Human weakness. Divine strength and human weakness work very well together. While divine strength and human strength are at odds. That is why the Bible says the spirit contends against the flesh. And the flesh contends against the spirit. When we think about the flesh, you cannot see in a mirror. The flesh is spiritual. These are the works of the flesh. Can you see it? No. It is there. It is spiritual. It's a spiritual part of the fallen man. The flesh. Empowered by the very nature of the devil. In us. So if you are not born in the spirit, he looks at them and says, you are of the father, the devil. How can I be the father of the devil? Because the flesh is born of the devil. The flesh is born of the devil. The spirit is born of God. You getting the picture? The flesh is born of the devil. The flesh is empowered by the devil. It has got the very nature of the devil. That's why the devil also can do good things for evil purposes. Ultimate end is evil. He will do good things. He will do good things. Ultimate end is he will bless people. He will give you plenty of money. He will give you a birth in the boat when you are running away from God. And he will give you the lower birth also. You can go down and sleep nicely. 
He'll give you enough money to run away from God to do things. He can bless people out of this world. <laughs> literally out of this world. So he will do good things. But the end is evil. So don't get fooled by blessings. Everybody's face is looking so... <laughs> you know why I said this? My strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is found, made perfect in... Do you know the word which he uses? Weakness. It's the same word which is used in the Gospels for powerless or disabled. There was a woman who was disabled, a spirit of infirmity. So we do not know what actually happened to Paul. A messenger from Satan. Was he made disabled? Was he a disabled prophet? What was his disability? We don't know. Today, if he was one of these 21st century pastors, he would apply for disability pension. He was disabled. He had a disability. And do you know why God did to him? Because of these exceedingly great revelations which cannot be uttered. I don't want you to be proud. I don't want your end to be messy. Say, you know what? I'm going to give you a disability. When people have disability, we pity them. We pity them. Because God pities us. He says, I put them there to teach you. He says, look at that one. Do you know how he walks? He says, but that is your spiritual walk. His physical walk and your spiritual walk is the same. He limps, you limp. Oh, look at that poor thing, he's blind. He says, you don't see anything anyway. How many times have you read the Bible? Yeah. Can you understand anything? No. You think he's blind. You're blinder. Right? Oh, poor thing, he's deaf. He says, I've been shouting at you for the past five years. You haven't heard one thing. That's exactly what actually got all those... Examples of those people out there. Let me honestly, I've said this before and I always tell to people, I said I got around 46, 48 children we take care of. And I said one set of them are called disabled. I don't worry about them at all. The ones who are not disabled, I worry about them all the time. I always tell, where are these children going? Do you think you have to worry about Mary? No. When her monthly things come, she walks off, that is okay, that can be handled. Other than that, she gives no trouble. Joy cannot speak. But she has more joy than the ones who can speak. Danya couldn't see. <laughs> but she was Danya. Little Danya couldn't see. But do you have any trouble with Danya? Is she going into any trouble? No, the ones who are seeing are always hooked on to TV. Danya is hooked on to nothing. What is Amulu going to do? Does she give you trouble? No. Does Chandu give you trouble? No. So little dose you give her, she will also be quiet. Let me tell you, who is disabled here? Who is disabled? God has got a universe full of disabled children. 
people. And we look down upon them. And that's what Paul is saying. I am powerless. I am disabled. The most interesting part is that after God changes his nomenclature, his name, who's Jacob? From today you are no longer Jacob, you shall be Israel. What does Israel mean? Prince with God, prince with man. How is he walking? Who's coming? Prince is coming. Yesterday he walked like this with a rod. Look at all my herds, my flocks, my servants, my wives, my children. Now he's limping. Who are you? Yesterday what is your name? Jacob. What is your name today? Israel. Prince, huh? God says, now you are a prince. You're weak. If you are strong. We don't want that. Sometimes when I read all these things, I understand why it is only 144,000 with the lamb. More I look at it, it is true, Lord. How will anybody reach there? Because this whole world system is completely the other way. I said in the beginning, what does everybody want to be? All the sisters said, everybody wants to be beautiful. Anybody here want, doesn't want to be beautiful? That is all the men want to be. Either in sports, they want to be excellent. In uh, entertainment, they want to be hero. In um, studies, they want to be called. They don't want to be, they want to be called. As long as you're called, it is fine. Like I said, it is not what you will do, what you be. Do you know how we are trapped in this? And the problem is, issue is Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. Meaning there was a period in time called nothing. And we all belong to nothing. And God is everything. And the problem is, if he is everything, and we are nothing, how does nothing take glory that belongs to everything? And God cannot allow it. You know why? Because he is true. It's true. It's not true. Like when we were examiners, I was board examiner too. More examiners, you know. And sometimes your own students are sitting over there. You know the weak ones, and you know the you know the good ones. You will watch them both. Why? The weak ones will try to copy. The strong ones will try to help. And both is not acceptable. Both is not acceptable. Because both are not being true. This one will say, sir, I did not copy. But you helped. You helped. Okay. So you need to understand, God has to be true. God has to be true. And the only way God can be true in my life or your life is when we become weak. Then he becomes strong. Then he is true in my life. And when we come to a point, if we ever come to a point to be included in that 144, when we are absolutely, truly before God, not before our eyes, before God, nothing, he becomes everything. And one man walked on earth like that. That was Jesus. That is why NIV translation, Philippians 2, 7 is out of this world. He who was everything became nothing. Nothing. Everything became nothing. How did he? Bible says he made himself nothing. Right from the beginning. It was a it was a divine conspiracy. It's all planned out. Where was he born? Stable. 
Where was he put in? A trough. What was he wrapped in? Swaddling clothes. What was his mother? A teenage young girl whose pregnancy was always questioned. Who came to see him? Initially nobody. Then the shepherds came. Did anybody in the town visit him? No. What happened when he was around two years old? He had to flee for his life. Thirty years, what he was known as? Carpenter's son. Do you know his entire life? He's going around has nothing. And he will not, he's living also that. If somebody calls him good, he says, no, father is good. He's everything, I'm nothing. He struggle. He struggle. So Paul has a messenger from Satan. What, what disability it, it is not. And we are all running away from disability. Anything that disables us in the eyes of the world. I tell people, you are not bothered about your spirit or soul at all. One little pimple comes over here, it will create a crisis. We didn't like disabled people, no? Matthew 18, verses 1 to 4. See, mindset is the same. We have the disciples' mindset before Pentecost. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It's like the old fairy tale. Mirror, mirror on the wall, tell me who is the fairest of the all. Sometimes we don't say that because we are not fair enough. So we say it's mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the smartest of them all? Whichever, tallest, fattest we don't say. Okay. Whatever adjective you want to use. We have all have a mirror. And we look into it and ask this question. Who is the greatest? He called a little child and had him stand among them. He said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never Enter the kingdom of heaven. That word, never. (laughs) These nevers are always scary. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as his little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, when Jesus is talking about little children, he's not talking about little children today, not our children. He's talking about children of those age and those culture. Children of those culture, it is not disability. It's worse than that. It's inability. There's a disability, there's inability. Disabled children also can do lots of things. But this is not in disability. This is worse than that. What is that? Inability. Do you remember the law? Do you remember the widow who came to Elisha? Oh my Lord, your servant, the prophet, he's dead. The creditors have come for what? Children. You know, you could sell your children. You could sell your children to slavery, to pay off your debts. And the law allowed it. Allowed it. Children had no rights. They were not only disabled, they were enabled. Inability. It's not disability. Inability. Do you know what God says? Do you want to be the greatest in the kingdom? It's not enough to be disabled. Able, disabled, you will be able to see, I am unable. I have no ability at all. You have to be like them. Let us all look in the mirror and say, can we go there? 
will we like to go there that is why child abuse is the worst abuse the worst abuse is a child abuse because the child is unable it's not able to defend itself and we can abuse a child in so many ways child abuse is the worst the child abuse of a disabled child is the worst of the worst why they are unable and they are disabled Ephesians 2.1 and then 4-8 especially verse 5 Ephesians 2.1 4-8 He made you alive when you were dead in trespasses and sins around that word dead and come to verse 4-5 4-2 actually 8 yeah. <clears throat> but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together made us sit together in the heavenly places that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself it is a gift of god go back to verse 5 we saw in verse 1 and verse 5 even when we were what is dead it's not disabled it's totally unable when once a person is dead can you do anything can the person do anything you can weep over the person the person is not able to do anything it's totally unable to do anything that's what a dead person is a dead person can't do anything for himself or herself it is over finished nada it is over god says we were all dead we were all dead as far as he's concerned we are all dead we may be walking dead but we are all dead what did he do he made us alive he made us alive together with christ grace gives life to the dead no man can save that's why religions all are, are all false religions are ultimately false every religion is a revolt against the living god it is a nothing trying to be something the revolt is a rebellion against god it's still the tower of babel saying we will find make a way up to tower up to heaven we were dead he made us alive okay so if you want grace if you want more grace we have to become dead is that's why paul is saying beseech you brother in the light of the mercies of god offer your bodies as what living sacrifice holy and acceptable what is saying can you be dead Can you just put yourself on the altar and say, Lord, here I am nothing. I have nothing. I am nothing. And you are everything. It is not enough to say, I am nothing. And I have nothing. You also have to say, you are everything. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. Because why? It is deadly poison. It is feeding the self. Self, 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 self. 
itself. That's what I said. You can do the best things for absolutely the wrong reason. Why do you pray more? The Pharisees were the most praying people on planet Earth when Jesus came. They were the ones who read their Torah regularly and religiously. They fasted regularly. They fasted, they prayed, they read their word. But you know what? It was all self. I've seen people like that. Oh, no issues. The problem comes, I'll fast for 21 days. And I'll get my breakthrough. And you call that faith? No. It's strength. In your works. The work is spiritual. But your motive is carnal. Motive is carnal. And we sometimes realize that. Don't realize that. God is opposing us. It's not the devil. It is God who is opposing us because he has to conform us to the image of Christ Jesus who was everything and said, I am nothing. John chapter 15 and verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches, you abide in me, I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do. We can read it hundred times, we still don't believe it. Without me, you can do nothing. Eternity will reveal. All our works are burnt up. That's what it says. Everything will be tested by fire. Right? That's how Psalm 127 begins. How does it begin? Pastor Vijay will tell you. No, Pastor Vijay, you quote it. Except the Lord builds. We labor in vain. Much of our labor is in vain. We are doing in our strength. Labor is in vain. I'm telling you, we are vainly laboring. Early in the morning, we rise late in the night to go to sleep. God said, it's all in vain. Are we the things we do bad? No. He said, but it's yourself. It's not me. It's you. For your name, your glory, your achievements. It's all in vain. All in vain. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. What a statement. But our sufficiency is from God. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, for the spirit gives life. Look at words 5 and 6. We are not sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. That is why scripture was written by this man. God could say, I can use this man to write scripture because he will not put his opinion there. And when he tried to put his opinion, that also became scripture. Why? Paul is dead. Christ is alive. He's weak. So God is strong. As we close, I'll give you two more verses. Romans 8 verse 17 and 1 Peter 4 1. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer, if indeed we suffer, you see, we are all willing to suffer for Christ. We are not willing to suffer with Him. They're two different things completely. Anybody I ask you, will you suffer for Christ? Yes. Will you suffer with Christ? No. It's easier to die for Christ than to live for Christ. It's not suffer for Christ. Suffer with Christ. How many 
many of you are believers? Say no, otherwise we will kill you. Yes, they kill you. Everybody, most people are ready to be martyrs. Ask them to die daily. That is suffer with Christ. No. No. And almost all the conflicts with the self, in the family, everywhere, office, church, everywhere is got to do with that we are not willing to suffer with Christ. There's a difference between suffering for Christ and suffering with Christ. How do you suffer with Christ? You have this deep inside, you know that I am nothing. You owe me nothing, I owe you everything. I am nothing. That's what Peter was saying in First Peter 4 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the not on the cross. You're not talking about the cross. Christ suffered for us, not on the cross, in the flesh when he walked on earth. Arm yourself also with the same mind. If it is the cross, then we should all have the same mind. One day I'm going to be hung. No. How did he walk on earth? I am nothing. God is everything. I am nothing. God is everything. I will not speak anything of my own. What I hear, I speak. How he does, I do. I don't have a life of my own. I love, live to glorify him. I am weak. He is strong. Arm yourself with the same mind. This is not suffering for Christ. This is suffering with Christ. That is our struggle. Suffering with Christ. And there will be humbling and there will be opposition both. So when they are beaten up saying, do not preach in the name of Jesus Christ, they will stand up and say, no, we'll obey God and not obey. So it is not like going around servile. It is according to the situation. The Spirit of God will tell you what to do and what not to do. But in each of these process, you die to self. It is not yourself. And we struggle with this. And this is what is happening everywhere. Everywhere. God is doing his work in his church. We are going through terrible times. Politically, socially, pandemic wise, everything wise. In the midst of the church is caught like the deer in the headlights. But the church needs to know God is working something. And at the end of the day, he will have a set of people who is the remnant, purified, dead to themselves. They will not appropriate the principles of the world. Like I said, the principles of the world has, Babylon has crept into the church. And the church has become what? Laodicea. There are only two churches. You know, in that seven churches, God does not have a word of condemnation. Two churches. Who are those? Smyrna and? To Smyrna, what does he say? You are poor, but you are rich. What does he tell to Philadelphia? You are weak, but you are strong. It means the same thing. You are poor, but you are rich. You are weak, but you are strong. Only two churches. All the others all here something to tell. Repent, 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 repent. Otherwise I will come and take this off you. To two churches he has something to say. To one church he says, you are poor, but you are rich. Another church he says, you are weak. But you are strong. And what can he tell us? What can we tell us? You know? And this is our issue. You know? Most of the issues we do, we do, we think these are marital problems, marriage problems, family problems. No. None of these are problems. The problem is with this. When I am strong, God is weak. In my life. When I am weak, God is strong. God is strong. See, 
Two simple rules in a marriage. Husbands, love your wives. If God had only stopped there, it would have been very easy. But that's not what he said. Love your wives as? If he had said only that much also, it would have been easy. But he said, what did he? Gave himself. That's the problem. Do you give yourself? We like the washing of the water, so nicely wash them with the water. But that's not what it meant. Gave himself. And the flesh says, she's not worthy of it. You don't know. You shall counsel. You don't know. God says, but I, you also don't know what you are. Everything became nothing for nothing's sake. As Christ. You ask the woman, submit your husband in all things as unto you don't know. The issue is not the uh, issue. The issue is this. We all think we are something. We all think we are something. That's why Revelation is Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, God created. Meaning, there was a time which was called nothing. We were all nothing. And the second revelation is Philippians 2 7. How did everything become nothing? So, mathematical induction, if everything can become nothing, isn't it easier for nothing to become nothing? <laughs> like I said, this is one of the most important messages you will hear. You know why? This will entirely determine where you end up in eternity. And when the disciples came and asked, tell us who is the greatest in the kingdom. He took a little child, put him in front of them and says, unless you become like this little one. He said, you can never enter into the kingdom of God. Little child is, he's not able, he's not disabled, he's unable. No rights. No rights. Protection, some protection the child had was only in the Jewish law. In the Jewish law. Not in the Gentile cultures. Children were used for everything, including sex slavery. You couldn't have anything. They were anything. They were sold as slaves. They did everything. Everything. They did everything. All the work was done by the children. They did everything. Morning, children went. Boys went with the father, the girls were with the mother, or in the fields. Everybody worked right from childhood. No rights, no salary. Unpaid slaves they were. And you could, if you were in debt, you could sell your child. In the Roman age, children were sold to, for sex slavery. Sold. Young boys and young girls were sold. No rights. No rights. So they were not even just able or unable, sorry, disabled, they were unable. And Jesus uses that and says, you know what? You want to be the greatest? You have to come to God like that. Put your body on the altar. You can use me for anything. Anything. You can use my body for anything. Anywhere, any place. You can use it. And God says, you know what? You are weak. I am strong. Take my rights off. My mind completely rights off. 
I will not conform to the pattern of the world. Because the pattern of the world is always on the self. Self-confidence, self-reliance, self, 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 self. If you don't boost the self, they won't do anything the second day. Have to be constantly. There's a difference between encouraging and the other one. This is not encouraging. This is something else. Self is being fed. Otherwise, they won't do. They won't do. Immediately, work is gone. What is the point in working here? I need to change my company. My boss never says anything good about me. Jesus said, no. After everything you have done, you must say, I am. It's my duty. I am unworthy. Why? Who is unworthy? Who is nothing? Who is nothing? Unprofitable servants. And it's absolutely true. Let me ask you this question. What can nothing add to everything? <laughs> that is again math. <laughs> what can what can zero add? Unless there is one on this side. What can zero add? Abigail, after the meeting is over, I will give you zero amount of money. Okay? What does he want? She will she come give me zero. I will give her my hand and say, here, take zero. How can we add to God's glory? Nothing. Can we separate from God's glory? Nothing. Nothing. You see, God doesn't need us. We are not adding anything to his resume. We are subtracting nothing from resume. If he existed for eternity with nothing, he can exist in eternity also with nothing. Once you know that, you will fall on the place, Lord, thank you, you made me into the creation itself. A lot of people, I wish I was not born. Nonsense. At least you exist. Out of nothing he made something. This is a very humbling thing. And that's what he's telling in Judges 7 too. Whittle down. Cut down, cut down, cut down, cut down. Too many people, too many people, too many people, too many people, too many people. Too many. In order that Israel may not boast against me. That her own strength has saved her. Be very careful. What do we rely on? What do we rely on? You know? Our prayer? I'm talking about. Our prayer? Our prayer? Our fasting? Our knowledge of the word? Our proclamation? Our praise? Our worship? God enthrones in the praises of his people. Is he, is he bound? What if he doesn't want to enthrone? You can praise from morning to night and if he doesn't come, what will you do? What will you do? Because he is bound himself by his word, he does certain things. That's why Paul gets irritated and says in the book, he will have mercy on whom he wants mercy. Who, what will nothing say to everything? It is not like Hindi movies like Amitabh goes to the temple, does you know, dang, and he walks away. <laughs> so have a wonderful, genuine estimate of self. What is that? Look in the mirror today and write over there with you. If you use lipstick, don't use it anymore. Just write, use that on the mirror. <laughs> write over there. Revelation. I am nothing. God is everything. It's a very good starting point. The problem is not how to, it's not, the issue is not beginning there. It is staying there. That is the issue. Gideon messed up. 
He becomes something. He creates an effort and people go into idolatry. Okay. He said, no, I will not be king. There's a rule over us. We are king. He didn't want to be king. But he lived like a king. Abimelech, son of a king. He named his uh, son by a concubine, Abimelech. My father is king. So though he did not take the throne, he acted like one. Saul also, same thing it happens. It is not, you can begin. Because when we are all in trouble, we become nothing. You fall before the Lord of mercy, save us. That's why Jesus said, 10 of you are lepers, right? Meaning you are nothing. How come when you became something, only one came back? You see how quickly people change? Quickly change. And that's why God is telling Elisha, Naman has come and he's waiting outside, call the prophet. He's telling him to go dip seven times in. He was so furious. He wanted to go back. You know what? He's a leper. If he waits for a few months, one nose will fall off, two fingers will fall off, one toe will fall off. But he's inside, he's still of pride. I thought the prophet will come and wave his hand. and Because he thinks he's something. Even though he's leprous. Still something. You know? And he thinks I'm entitled to this win. That's the problem. When we go before God, we think we are entitled. Sometimes they get so mad with the church in America. They think they're entitled not to go through persecution when the rest of the world have died for Christ. You're entitled. Where did you get this from? There's no difference between the church. All the churches are the same. They are nothing. Have you given him the sovereignty to do what he wants to do with you? They don't even know what persecution is. They don't even know what persecution is. Do they know what persecution is? But that's one thing. Suffering for Christ. Like I said, it's easy. Suffering with Christ is what God has called us to. So be very careful. Come honey, let's pray. We'll pray in the evening today. It's not a regular thing, but today evening we'll pray from 5 to. That's why it took a little extra time. And we learn these fundamental lessons. It's not easy, but we learn this one day at a time. We keep learning it over and over and over and going back to the altar, going back to the altar. You know what happens? We start receiving the answers to our prayers. And maybe the answers to our prayers are not the way we thought in the beginning. But we'll start appreciating God's answers. One day we'll look back and we will realize God was right all the time. He was right all the time. That's what Moses understood. That's why he sings that song, Ascribe Greatness. All your ways are perfect. Meaning, what was it? God, now I understand. This 600,000 people, except two, nobody should have entered the promised land. You're right. These were all people full of self. They should have never entered. They would have made Canaan like Egypt. They are not worthy. Understand, you're right. Otherwise, who will? You bring 600,000 people and God knocks out 500,000, 598,998 people are knocked out. How can you say God is right? And including you. How come? He says God is right. You know what? These people all, including me, have self in us. If it was not myself, I wouldn't have hit the rock. It was myself. That disqualified me. Not God. God was for me. I went against God. Right? 
So we need to look at those things. Even Elijah after Cherit, Zarephath, what is cutting away and furnace and Mount, on Mount Carmel after all that, when he ran away, what did he say? Take my life. You know, better than my father. So still self is there. This is not easy. It's not an easy battle. That's why Paul is, after Jesus Christ, Paul is the person in the Bible because he understood this secret. He understood this secret. That's why scripture is written by, not Peter. Peter, when in Galatia, he writes, when people from James, he withdrew because self is there. I want to be approved among the Jewish believers. I don't want them to see that I mix with Gentile believers. He withdrew. When Paul is writing Second Corinthians, he's talking about how many years earlier he got this vision? 14 years ago, right? Revelations that cannot be. How many years after Paul is dead, just John the Apostle have to wait to receive a revelation which could be uttered? What is it meaning? It took that many, that many years for God to bring John to the point where his flesh was dead to give him this revelation which this man has received years and years earlier which cannot be uttered. So we understand fundamental lessons of what does it mean to walk in grace from Paul. That's why he's a stunning character. Absolutely stunning character. He knew the secret. The secret of success in God's kingdom. How to become nothing. That's why his letters are literally God-breathed. How can I? Because when we look at Jesus, we'll say, okay, he was everything who became nothing. But here is a nothing Somebody who thought he was something actually at the end becomes nothing. Nothing. And he was from a rich family. He was an incredibly educated person and he becomes nothing. And he becomes the person on which the church is built. Not the foundation, but other than that he becomes. And God is teaching us. Because we are going through difficult times. I don't know how much time we have left. But we suddenly look and say, if this is what it takes to be glorified in heaven, you know what? I'm in the race. I am in the race. I understand. You know, Lord, make me nothing each day. Lord, make me nothing. Lord, make me nothing. You know, and make me joyful about it. Like Jesus said, I delight to do his will. Come, honey, pray.